Today on the newscast, the Biden administration just confirmed what we all suspected. They are ready to talk to the Iranian regime on the way to re-entering that disastrous Iran nuclear deal. History shows that appeasement never brings peace, so will this be any different? Get my take, coming up. Hey folks, Eric Stackelbeck here. Welcome to the Watchman Newscast. Well, that didn't take long. The Biden State Department announced on Thursday night that they are ready to re-enter nuclear talks with the Iranian regime. Now, apparently the European Union powers, France, Britain, and Germany, invited the Biden administration to re-enter the talks, along with them and officials from China and Russia. Remember, folks, these were the parties that were part of that original Iran nuclear deal, which President Trump very wisely pulled the United States out of in 2018. But the Biden administration is putting the gang back together, I guess you would say. And now, after only four weeks in office, they are tripping over themselves to re-enter talks with the world's number one state sponsor of terrorism. Already, Iran, Iranian officials are doing cartwheels. The Iranian foreign minister, Javad Zarif, said just this morning that he expects the U.S. to drop sanctions against the Iranian regime. Now, I told you this, folks, last week, Joe Biden, on Super Bowl Sunday, February 7th, did an interview with CBS in which he said the U.S. would not drop sanctions against Iran unless Iran basically stopped enriching uranium. But Biden said, no, we're not going to drop sanctions. And I told you, remember his words. Remember what Biden said that, no, we will not drop sanctions. Folks, we are on the path right now to seeing those sanctions, those highly effective, strong sanctions that the Trump administration put into place. We're on, our path, on a path to seeing them thrown out the window. But we have been documenting for you all week right here on the Watchman Newscast, you can just look in our archives, that Iran has been up to some very nefarious activities as the blackmail begins. More on that in a second, but let's rewind. Earlier this week, we had an Iranian-backed rocket attack against U.S. forces in Iraq. Uh, in Erbil, in northern Iraq, Iraqi Kurdistan, rockets fired a U.S. soldier injured, several American contractors also injured, and a foreign contractor who had worked closely with U.S. forces there in Iraq was killed in this rocket attack, claimed uh, an Iraqi Shia militia, hint, hint, Iranian-backed proxy, claimed responsibility for this attack. Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, who I just mentioned, called this an outrageous act and said that those who were responsible will be held accountable. Iran was responsible, folks. At the end of the day, Iran was pulling the strings, and the accountability there is, please, please don't hurt us. Please talk to us. We'll lift the sanctions. We want to be back in the Iran nuclear deal with you. That's the accountability that Anthony Blinken was apparently talking about. And also this week, we documented this on yesterday's newscast, Iran and Russia holding major naval drills, joint naval drills, in the Indian Ocean. So Iran, buddy-buddy, getting closer to Russia, uh, engineering an attack against U.S. forces in Iraq. 
blatantly flouting that Iran nuclear deal and any kind of UN rules when it comes to enriching uranium and driving for the bomb. All of that bad rogue behavior and their consequences, a seat at the table once again with the leader of the free world, the most powerful nation in the world, the United States, where the most powerful nation in the world is going to act like a weakling and hand over concession after concession to a rogue regime, which again has scores of American blood on its hands, stretching back to 1983, the U.S. Marine barracks bombing in Beirut, 243 U.S. Marines killed. Fast forward to Iraq over the past decade, decade plus, where up to perhaps even more than 1,000 American soldiers were killed by Iranian-backed forces in Iraq. The big question to me is, did Joe Biden, or was, I should say, not is, the question was, we've got the answer, did Joe Biden tell Benjamin Netanyahu about his intentions when they finally spoke this week by phone? Isn't that nice, folks? After four weeks in office, Joe Biden finally picked up the phone and called the leader of our closest ally in the Middle East, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel. Now, Biden had called 12 other world leaders, including the leaders of U.S. adversaries like China and Russia, before he got around to calling the prime minister of Israel. This is pretty unprecedented. Going back to President Ronald Reagan, this has never happened. The U.S. president, when he comes to office, many times on his first day, certainly in his first week in office, calls his Israeli counterpart. But Joe Biden clearly sending a message to Benjamin Netanyahu. Hey, he was the vice president under Barack Obama. There was a very contentious, tense relationship, obviously, between Obama and Netanyahu. Joe Biden, we've said this on the newscast before, is shaping up the Joe Biden presidency. It is shaping up to be a third Obama term, certainly in the Middle East. And I would argue perhaps even worse, just think of Robert Malley, the point man uh, for the Biden administration for these Iran negotiations. This is someone who in 2008 actually had to leave the presidential campaign of Barack Obama because he had met with Hamas officials. Again, a designated terror organization, Hamas. Mali was one of the architects, along with other current Biden administration staffers, of the original Iran nuclear deal. So he apparently, the question was answered, I mentioned, Biden apparently did not mention in his call with Netanyahu earlier this week that, yes, Bibi, yes, Prime Minister Netanyahu, we are going to re-enter uh, talks with the goal of clearly re-entering the Iran nuclear deal. We are going to talk to Iran uh, again very soon. Kind of a big detail to keep out of that conversation, right? Now, apparently, Biden administration officials did talk to Israeli officials, but there wasn't that direct one-on-one admission by Joe Biden to Benjamin Netanyahu that, hey, I know you are adamantly against this, Mr. Prime Minister, but we are going to talk to Iran. Three reasons before I go why that Iran nuclear deal, folks, has been so disastrous. And it looks like we are going to either re-enter that same deal that we had in 2015 that was originally struck in 2015 under the Obama administration uh, or some kind of variation of it. Again, all the players are still in place. They're back. The Obama holdovers, they're back with the Biden administration. 
Three reasons why this was such a disaster before I let you go. Number one, and it's actually hard to believe, it's, it's insane that this deal was struck. Number one, Iran's ballistic missile program, which is the largest in the Middle East, they're working on short range, medium range, and yes, long range missiles, intercontinental ballistic missiles. These missiles, that missile program was not even a part of that nuclear deal. The U.S. could have said, hey, stop with the missiles. And that was not even on the table. By the way, ICBMs, intercontinental ballistic missiles, they do exactly what their name says, folks. They are designed to travel across oceans, across continents. Iran is developing them right now. You create ICBMs or you build ICBMs for one reason and one reason only, to mount them with a nuclear warhead. Those ICBMs are not for Israel, Saudi Arabia, even Europe. Those ICBMs are for the United States. Yet they weren't on the table in the original Iran nuclear deal. Number two reason why it was such a disaster, Iran's rampant sponsorship of terror throughout the region was not on the table. Could you imagine not holding Iran accountable and saying, hey, if you want to do a deal with us, you'll have to give up that missile program, number one. Number two, end your sponsorship of Hezbollah, Hamas, the Houthis in Yemen, these various radical Shia militias throughout Iraq and Syria. How about Palestinian Islamic Jihad in Gaza? And end your provocations against Israel. None of that was mentioned in that Iran nuclear deal. Imagine, no missiles, uh, no terror. And number three, the sunset clauses. What is a sunset clause? Basically, when the deal runs out after 10 years, Iran can do whatever it wants. So, okay, for 10 years, and the Iranian regime has shown that they are very patient, folks, with this nuclear program. This has been a conversation we've been having now for about 20 years. Iran and its drive for the bomb and how to stop it. After 10 years, say the deal runs out, that's the sunset clause. Then what happens? And to me, this deal doesn't guarantee peace. It guarantees war, which none of us want to see, to say the least. But Israel is saying, hey... If this deal guarantees Iran possessing the bomb, and if Iran has vowed to wipe us off the map, and they'll have the weapons to do just that, you do the math in terms of how Israel will react to a new Iran nuclear deal. Even the IDF, the Israel Defense Forces Chief of Staff, Aviv Kohavi, said just two weeks ago, in a rare move by a military official, told the Biden administration, do not re-enter that Iran nuclear deal. Oh, and by the way, we are drawing up plans in 2021 to strike Iran's nuclear facilities if we deem it necessary. So, a lot going on. Obviously, this is major, major news in the Middle East. The Middle East never sleeps, and we want to be your one-stop shop for all things related to the world's most pivotal and chaotic region and how it affects you no matter where you live. So be sure to continue to join us Monday through Friday, every day, right here on the Watchman Newscast. And do not let your heart be troubled by all of this news. The God of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. He is still on the throne and he will never leave you or forsake you. Bank on it. Thanks for joining us today. Have a great weekend. God bless you. And until next time, never hold your peace.